Morning with Jalen Nye and Daryl McIntyre, supported by Abe's Door Service, with 24-7 emergency service where you speak to an actual person. Visit abesdoor.ca. Sing it, everybody. Every place I go, I think of you. Every song I sing, I sing for you. Mm-mm. When I come back, I'll wear your wedding ring. Here we go. Well, it's just a lead up. So kiss me and smile for me. Tell me that you'll wait. We're gonna wait for that chorus part again. Poor John on hold. Yeah. (laughs) Where are we going? I'm a leaving on a jet plane. I don't know when I'll be back. I don't know if my bags will show up. Who is this? Joni Mitchell? This is Peter, Paul, and Mary. I, get, oh, I sent this to Sarah, the technical producer Sarah, this morning, and I gave two versions. There was a John Denver version, oh, Peter, yeah. Paul, and Mary version. Her choice as to which one. She went with a super mellow, yeah. soft one. Well, you know, you're leaving on a jet plane if you're lucky, unless there's a technical issue or there's a maintenance issue mm-hmm. or your luggage, you know, all of those things. We know that air travel has been a little... Well, air travel is great when it works perfectly. <laughs> Otherwise, <laughs> it's it's a challenge, right? And, and we and get that. It can be infuriating. Um, and, it, you know, coming out of COVID, ramping back up again, there were a lot of challenges and still there are some challenges happening, especially with some of the airlines about leaving on time, all of that yeah. sort of thing. And so stuff happens, but you want them to take responsibility for the things they are <laughs> responsible for, and right? And take care of you. And take care of you. So the Canadian Transportation Agency this week uh, laid out these proposed changes to the passenger rights charter. We've been hearing about this for a while. So we've laid out the changes. Let's find out what they're all about. John Gradick is a professor of aviation <laughs> management out of McGill University. And were you singing along, John? Oh, I'm a fan of Chantal Kriviasek's version of it. So uh, oh, yes. yeah, I, I still was singing. I still was singing. Great job. <laughs> uh, Sarah, if you could have the Chantal Kriviasek uh, version for when we finish this conversation, that would be awesome. <laughs> Just for you, John. We've heard about this passenger rights uh, charter uh, for quite a while. What is different that was put out by the transportation agency uh, this week? How much different was it than what we were expecting, et cetera? Yeah, well, we we had high expectations given what the minister's been saying for the last few months and that, you know, he's saying that there's got to be a different way of managing this. We've got to put onus on the carriers to kind of justify their their, uh, delays and for them to defend why they should not be paying compensation. Well, I didn't see any of that, one. Mm-hmm. Um, he did, however, uh, say that he's going to clean up the process of, of these um, compensation hearings in front of the CTA. We are now up to 52,000 sitting in the queue. Oh, wow. Uh, and so yeah, it's, it's not a good thing. And uh, so we know the system isn't working very well, so he's proposing a, a new set of standards, a new process. And I think that's the that's one piece of good news that at least I hear uh, the architecture of a new process makes sense, is that you know they're, they're saying we're going to have a, a very different process of of hearing these things and hopefully make it more expeditious. We're looking at within 30 days of filing your your um, your complaint uh, or your non your your dis your disappointment within an airline's decision. The hearing will be taken by civil servants, not by members of the CTA. Uh, and that within 30 days after that, you get a decision. 
So the whole process should be speeded up. It's no longer two years. Hopefully, we're looking at two months. So it, that, that's the piece of good news. But the more important thing, as far as I'm concerned, are all those things that the airlines were doing to try to get away with not paying compensation. Yes, John, uh, let's talk about yeah. that. This is interesting because that's what I wanted to get to because they were using all sorts of excuses. Well, excuses. Well, I'll say excuses. They were using all sorts of things. Yeah, you, you can use the word excuses. Okay, they were using excuses. And one of the things uh, that they're changing is... Um, um, the airlines now um, can't use technical problems. They can't say, well, we had technical problems. That wouldn't give them an out. So how does that impact the airlines? What does that cover? What does that mean for passengers? Well, it means that, you know, the, the airlines are going to get more creative in terms <laughs> of, being, of giving you what I call the outs. Uh, and you know, trying to wimp out of paying some of these uh, these these compensation claims. So you know, the, the, what they've done literally is taken. Remember, we've been talking about the European model as being the example yes. of what we should be doing. So, these, so what they did, you know, to their credit, they carbon copied the European model, uh, but they added a bunch of other things that seems to have come from consultation that they have done with the industry. That the industry now has thrown in a whole bunch of things that as far as I'm concerned, is gives them, you know, a different set of excuses that they can use that gets it to be more confusing. And I think that, you know, when you talk about the way in which they, they deal with these things, it, it really is things that, you know, labor disruptions at the airline uh, are not to be considered, you know, are, are to be considered exceptional circumstances. Mm-hmm. And I'll say, wait a second. You know, you have a problem with your with your labor relations team, and you having a, a work stoppage. You caused it. You know, you're part of the problem, airline. So I, I don't know why you can use that as an excuse to basically get away from not paying compensation. And there's a few other things in here: the airport operational issues for which the airline is not responsible is is an exceptional circumstance. Huh? What does that mean? <laughs> Well, and is yeah, there any recourse against that? Yes. Nav Canada or some of the airports oh, authorities, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, they have air traffic management restrictions, airspace closures, airport closures. Those are all exemptions. So, you know, to, to me, you know, and the one kicker that they threw in there was this thing called knock-on effects, which is a term the airlines have been using for the last couple of months or years to try to define that, you know, it's not just the flight itself that's been delayed and that you don't get, you get compensation of, but the next flight. Or the next couple of flights mm-hmm. that get it because because the original flight got delayed, and so if your flight scheduled to you know leave Edmonton at uh, four o'clock in the afternoon and a flight was coming from Toronto, uh, that Toronto flight is delayed four hours. The Edmonton flight's not considered it's going to be it's going to be delayed, but that's not considered an ex, you know a a compensation friendly flight uh, because the original flight's missed up missed up. So it, it you know the death to me is is really getting into the technical way in which how how airlines schedule their airplanes and route their airplanes, which is you know for the Canadian traveling public to figure that one out, and you know there and there are so many ways to to, to juggle your fleets once you're at an airport 
that, you know, it's going to be a mess to try to figure that one out. So, it, yeah. you know, while they've had good intentions and to move it in the right direction, they threw a whole bunch of stuff on top of that, which to me gives them a lot more wiggle room, as I said. I'm talking with John Gradick, professor of aviation management at McGill University. Uh, the airlines say that they really can't, you know, or they, they try to say that they can't really afford this. Is this a danger to our airline industry, having them have to take responsibility? Does that cut into enough of their bottom line that some may end up having trouble continuing to do business? It's almost, to me, it's almost like an abuser relationship <laughs> where we're the victims and the airlines are the abuser where they say, oh, no, we're the victims and, and try to turn it around. Where, like, what is, what is it for their finances? It's going to affect their finances, for sure. But guess what happens? You're going to pay for it eventually, right? You, <laughs> as a passenger. Yeah. Airfares are going to go up. Uh, and so, But, you know, the, the one thing we have in Canada is we have some competition. I don't even say we have guys like Flair and Lynx and Canada Jetlines uh, on the market, but basically are what I call the price leaders in Canada, and they're keeping prices fairly low. So it, there's going to be a squeeze on airline margins if they decide to play ball. The airlines don't like these things. The airlines don't like these passenger regulations. No. Since day one, you know, in 2016, when the first, these first ideas were there, they've been, you know, on a, on a, on a tear to basically, you know, try to figure out the ways and means to make this thing uh, unworkable. And uh, the saga continues. John, one more question before we let you go here. Um, and, uh, you know, we're pretty much in the height of travel season. This, you know, for the summer, it's going to be busy here over the next uh, number of weeks uh, through uh, the end of August. Um, are things getting any better? What are you telling people right now if they're traveling this summer? Uh, you know, you don't want to point fingers at a specific airline or not, but I, I think that when you look at the way in which the, the, the whole ecosystem has worked, I think the airport side is in pretty good shape. I think the airports have hired people to, to do the job that they were missing last summer. CATSA, CBSA, baggage guys, you know, they've, they've got people there now to be able to do the job. The problem is, I think that the airlines really haven't learned their lesson from last summer. Mm. That they, to me, that they've overscheduled the summer. They've, they've, they've cranked up a lot of capacity, particularly Air Canada. Uh, and uh, there was their schedule, their fleet has wound up pretty tight. And particularly on their international operations, they've got old airplanes, they've got 777s seven, and Airbus 330s that are 20, 25 years old. Yeah. Uh, those airplanes need a lot of TLC, uh, and they're not getting it because they're flying. So, you know, they're, they're pushing their fleet pretty hard. Fleets are breaking down. Flights are being delayed. And the performance of the airline, per se, in terms of their on-time performance, particularly the last three weeks, uh, leaves a lot to be desired. Uh, John Gradick, Professor of Aviation Management at McGill University. You have done very well this morning, and we have a reward for you. <laughs> Here you go. Sarah, if you could give it to him. The Chantal Creviasic version. There you go. John, we'll talk to you again right, soon. I was sleeping in the background. <laughs> Take Have care a good now. One. Bye-bye now. <laughs> There's so many times I let you down.
Morning with Jalen Nye and Daryl McIntyre is brought to you by Abe's Door Service, where service is their specialty. Visit abesdoor.ca. of music from long, long ago because this is also the anniversary of uh, Live Aid, the, the massive concert, the worldwide concert, uh, really set up by Bob Geldof. In 10 weeks' time. In 10 weeks' time, this was Amazing. created. Uh, July 13th, 1985, Wembley Stadium. Uh, Prince Charles, Princess Diana <laughs> actually uh, officially opened Live Aid back in the day. And... Uh, yeah, they, you know, Wembley, and then there was a, a, a continued at JFK Stadium in Philadelphia. $125 million was raised yeah. uh, for famine relief. And this is 1985, so $125, $120, massive amount. Uh, as, as you mentioned, the, the brainchild of uh, Bob Geldof um, from the Boomtown Rats, of course. He had traveled to Ethiopia and saw firsthand, came back, said, we have to do something. But you take a look at who was in that lineup. Right, uh, 75 acts, including Elton John, Madonna, Santana, Run DMC, Sting, Brian Adams, The Beach Boys, Mick Jagger, Jagger Bowie, Duran Duran, U2, The Who, Tom Petty, Neil Young, Eric Clapton, and Queen, just to name a few. 70,000 people packed Wembley, and it was uh, it was pretty amazing. It was it, pretty amazing. Talk about appointment television. So it was it was, it was shown live. Yeah. I don't know of anybody, so I would have been, what, 21 years old. That was the yeah. thing to see. Oh, Everybody, yeah. You had to be somewhere. You had to watch it, whether it was in, in, a, in a bar or whether it was somebody's living yeah. room. If you weren't there, you were missing out on the cultural moment. Apparently, uh, and if I recall correctly, and I read something about this, Joan Baez got up and told them, hey, folks, this is your Woodstock. That's right. That's and right. that's basically what it was at the time. And um, I will forever say that uh, Freddie Mercury and Queen's performance at this uh, show is still one of the best live performances you will ever see. Just little pieces of it to take you down memory lane. Do you remember this? Whoops. So, Freddie and uh, the audience doing a back and forth, that went on for over a minute. Over a minute, back and, and forth. It seemed to me, and I don't know if this was ever decided, maybe somebody in Chedville knows, I think that was just off off the cuff. Yeah. I think Freddie just decided to play with the audience, and they played back. And it was it was it was a big part of the uh, of the uh, the biopic, the Bohemian yes. Rhapsody, at and the then, end of that too. And then, of course, Radio Gaga. And in that, uh, that's when the whole crowd is doing it together. It's mm-hmm. just stunning to what I got goosebumps just talking about it and thinking about it. Uh, but yeah, if you get a chance, if you haven't seen it for some, if you, uh, well, you can. The nice thing, Cody, is- you've never seen this. You don't know. What do you know what we're talking about? No. No. No, that's okay. But YouTube it. I mean, yeah, that, all it. this stuff is available. Easy. Yep. You can just stream it. You, if, you either walk down memory lane or create some brand new ones. Yeah. I'm just imagining pay. how much tickets would cost if it was nowadays. Oh, nowadays, yeah. <laughs> Forget about <laughs> it. Uh, but anyway, it was, uh, awesome. yeah, 38 years ago today, the Live Aid concert. 